This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. There's a thing in the, the Tao Te Ching when they say when the way is lost, which for those people who don't know, the way is kind of um, being in touch with the Tao, being in touch with the kind of way the universe naturally works. Everything that is, is here for a reason. And, it, and, and if we can try to look for the complementary aspects of those reasons, then that lessens the conflictual aspect of two systems or more being in close proximity to each other. You are listening to Todd Perry and Dr. Carl Totten on Psychologists Off the Clock. Curious what psychologists chat about over coffees? We are three clinical psychologists who love to discuss the best ideas from psychology. I'm Dr. Diana Hill, practicing in Seaside, Santa Barbara, California. I'm Dr. Debbie Sorensen, practicing in Mile High, Denver, Colorado. And from coast to coast, I'm Dr. Yael Schoenbrunn, a Boston-based clinical psychologist and assistant professor at Brown University. In this podcast, we explore the psychological principles that we use in our clinical work. And we bring you ideas from psychology that can help you flourish in your work, parenting, relationships, and health. Thank you for listening to Psychologist Off the Clock. of one of my favorite podcasts, What's This Tao All About?, to join me for a conversation about Taoism and work-family conflict. The hosts, Todd Perry and Dr. Carl Totten, discussed Taoism on this very funny podcast, and it was so fun to get to ask them directly how they think Taoism can inform thinking about this common modern problem of uh, work-family conflict. One of the main areas that we discussed was how our dominant Western view of conflict focuses on the negatives and how work makes parenting harder and parenting makes work harder. But Taoism offers a really different way to understand conflict, and namely, um, it understands that conflict means that forces press against one another, but that that pressing can offer healthy and helpful ways to keep a complex system in balance. So bringing this idea from the abstract into real life, I'm curious for you, Debbie and Diana, what are ways that work has helped you to parent better or that parenting has helped you to work better? Well, the conflict feels real when I'm trying to get out the door in the morning and I'm going to work and I'm in my nice clothes and I have a child with jam on their hands trying to (laughs) give me a hug goodbye. And it can feel it can feel really like this stretch of how do I balance these two personas, me as therapist and me as mom. But what I have found, and it's actually you've influenced me this in, in terms of this, Jael, is starting to look at there's a real kind of revitalization that happens when I go to work that then feeds back and it's a positive feedback loop into work being with my kids. So when I get a chance to go to work, I get to access parts of myself that don't show up as much when I'm parenting, like my intellectual self or the part of me just can be totally present, unitasking, you know, focusing on the person at hand rather than kind of all the multitasking that I tend to do as mom. And when I go back, especially if I go to like a conference or I have some great sessions, I find myself more energized with my kids. 
I totally agree um, that the conflict is real, and I think that the way that you described it is something that resonates with me, where it feels so hard to kind of manage both sides of myself, and yet engaging in one and stepping away from the other really helps me to get refreshed to return. So one of the things that we know from research, and this is actually a really cool way that Taoism sort of shows up in the laboratory, is that work-family conflict is real, but work-family enrichment exists alongside it. So they're actually unique uh, constructs, and they exist side by side. And when we have the conflict, it actually allows some of the enrichment to emerge all the more, but one doesn't really exist without the other. So it's kind of a cool thing to recognize that there is conflict, but that that's a part of what allows the enrichment to come to the fore as well. Debbie, how about you? How does um, parenting help you to work better or work help you to parent better? Well, one thing I saw, I've learned from you, Yael, is to think about how the toggling between the two can be feel really hard. The example I think that comes to mind is when I have to walk away from my work because I have to, you know, get home to feed my children or I have to pick someone up somewhere at a certain time and I have to leave the work that I'm immersed in. It feels really stressful and hard for me to just walk away from it undone. And you've helped me see that actually sometimes that's really good for me. Sometimes I'm at a place where actually I'm maybe not even as productive as I could be. I'm kind of done and walking away sometimes actually just is really helpful. Similarly with leaving the house, you know, when the laundry's undone or, you know, kids are looking for their shoes or something and I have to be somewhere for work and I have to walk away. That can feel hard too, but it can also be actually, you know, for the better. Yeah, so there's all these examples of where it feels like a conflict, but that pressure or that discomfort actually gives us surprising gifts. And so that's what we talked a lot about in this episode, and I hope you guys all enjoy this interview with Todd Perry and Dr. Carl Totten. In this episode, I'll, I will be talking with the hosts of one of my all-time favorite podcasts, What's This Dow All About? Todd Perry is the head writer for Upworthy and has a history of doing radio, and he became interested in Taoism in his 20s after reading The Tao of Pooh. And Dr. Carl Totten is a clinical psychologist, founder and director of the Taoist Institute in Southern California, is a clinical psychologist in private practice, and is a Qigong and martial arts grandmaster. Welcome to you both, Todd and Dr. Carl Totten. Thank you. Thank you. Good to be here. So I was exposed to your podcast by my brother, um, who uh, was very interested in Taoism and who got me really interested in Taoism. And um, he started listening to your podcast and said, this is a great way to learn more without needing to leave your house or um, go on a weekend retreat, which I don't have time for because I'm a working parent. And that's actually the topic that we're going to talk about today is the topic of work-family conflict, the pervasive modern problem. And I'm so very honored to have you both on to share your wisdom and experiences um, with Taoism as it applies to this common modern problem. So I'm hoping that you guys can start us off by sharing your pathway into doing this podcast, um, you know, to just kind of explain what brought you into creating a podcast about Taoism. Todd, do you want to get us started? Yeah, I guess uh, this would go back to, I think it, it's, it dovetails really nicely with the idea of work balance because um, anybody who lives near the Los Angeles area knows that you could be subject to bone-crushing, debilitating <laughs> traffic. Like I know in Boston, you deal with weather, probably. That's 
a problem. That's <laughs> a hindrance. In LA, the weather's fine, but you know, traffic is a big deal. So I was living in Long Beach, California, and driving to Venice, which was like two hours and forty-five minutes out of my day. I was working in advertising, and it was really it was kind of killing me. And um, at the same, you know, so at the same time, I was kind of stressed and tired, and you know, thirty-five years of age, you know, you got the house, wife, the whole thing, and I realized I kind of lost my focus on spirituality and stuff, which I was really into in my 20s and read tons of books. And I used to study at a Taoist temple under a guy named Derek Lin, who's written some books. Um, and so I kind of, you kind of realize I kind of lost the way to get, uh, to put a Taoist spin on it. <laughs> so um, one night I was looking, I was looking for a Taoism podcast to kind of reacquaint myself with these ideas and reapply them to kind of reorient my life and get back on its axis and I, I couldn't find anything um or anything that that was really that kind of well produced or anything that was really gonna you know scratch the itch so uh, and i have a background in radio where i worked for cbs for a long time at the station which had like howard stern and adam carolla and all these guys since like a talk radio station so i had done podcasting and produced podcasts for people so i had that background so I said, oh, geez, why don't I just do it? Um, you know, well, you know, and, and I was like, this is a, a great way for me to force myself. You know, in Taoism, we talk about a thing called Wu Wei, which is like non-action, right? But it's not not doing anything. It's doing things in an effortless way. If I have this desire to learn about this, podcasting is kind of how I, my medium. So it'll force me to learn about this stuff. And then also it'll create something that other people can enjoy. So um, I, I, I Googled for a Dow master, which is like, you go to Google, find a Dow master. <laughs> and uh, guess who popped up with, with Dr. Dr. Totten. And the greatest thing was that when I first, he responded to my email immediately. And in our first conversation, I thought he had a great sense of humor. And I was like, look, if we're going to do this, it was, it was always supposed to be 12 episodes, which is funny. Um, yeah, right? oh, it, that's so cool. Yeah, and I said, you know, if we're going to do this, I, I'd like to do it in a way that we don't talk like we're professors about Taoism. You know, not, not saying anything bad about academia, but we don't want to be stuffy, and we don't want to act like people who have never practiced it or, you know, know-it-alls. There's a lot of, you know, for lack of a better concept, there's a lot of people with, you know, um, beads and, you know, trying to be, you know, all hippy dippy, but and I was like, I want you know Joe Sixpack to to, <laughs> to learn about Taoism was kind of the idea. And Dr. Carl immediately was like, Yes, that's exactly uh, how this needs to be. And he 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 loved that idea, and I think he was thinking the same thing. So once we were on board with that, I was like, I knew we had something we could we could do. Yeah, that's so cool that you uh, just Googled and found sort of your your cosmic match. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's how that's how the Dow is working. The Dow is in the computer too. You know, it's uh, it's everywhere. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing, and I, I love I, that description of what you were aiming for. I think really comes through in your podcast because it is so um, just you know really on the ground and accessible in its description and the way that you guys bring it to life is just so relatable. And it is, it's a very funny podcast. You guys have a really good riff going between you two. I love it. Yeah. And I have beats too. 
<laughs> oh yeah okay well he's holding up his beads right now <laughs> I have my not to make fun of your beads dr <laughs> it's it's the it's the 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 the, the fashionably spiritual out there and if anybody in the la area knows you see them you know with the gandhi tote bag at the whole foods you know we were trying to you know not not um you know kind try like to be no real about it no yeah. matter what you still have to be cool right <laughs> that's right that's right and you know, and the and as we began talking, you know, we're we're trying to come up with a name for the podcast, and um, you know, we were you know thinking about some things, and then you know, I mentioned a story years ago. I was um, just sitting in my uh, school here, uh, and an old man was walking down the street, and I think it was a hot summer day, and I think he just wanted to get in out of the sun, and he wanted to sit down for a few minutes because he was trying, he was walking home. You know, he had a cane, and he was at least 75 years of age. And so he came in, and he said, oh, can I sit there for a while? Because he was kind of panning. He was tired. I said, sure, have a seat. How you doing? He says, oh, I'm tired. And, and then he said, you know, what is this place? I said, well, you know, this is a martial arts school, and I teach Tai Chi and meditation and Kung Fu, things like that. He says, but uh, what's this word, uh, this, this tail, tail? What, what, what's this tail all about? You know, and, I, and I, so I start to explain about Taoism. You know, it's a Chinese philosophy, and it involves balance and harmony, and you know, trying to uh, keep everything in uh, balance so we can have a more whole and complete life, and so on and so forth. And he he kind of looks a little puzzled, and he goes, "Well, but that, that's interesting, but 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 what's this Tao all about?" And he just kept <laughs> <laughs> and so that became the title of the show. <laughs> and it also became kind of our uh, our true north of trying to figure out what's this what's this Tao all about. And I and we I don't think we've got it yet, but we've come close a couple times. And I think one the closest we ever got the mics weren't turned on, unfortunately. I remember we were like, oh, we just figured it out. We can quit. You know, maybe when we figure it out, we'll quit. But until then, we'll keep going. Yeah. Well, there's so much to explore. I mean, I I think that what's cool about the podcast is that you sort of take on the various chapters of some of the seminal texts, mainly the Tao Te Ching, and you really apply it to all these, you know, really interesting and, and important issues in modern life. And, you know, interestingly, many of the modern issues were the same as they were way back when, you know, 2,500 years ago, the Tao Te Ching was first written. So one of the things that I think is a really central um, tenet of Taoism is its view on conflict, its view on sort of what it means to have two forces that are existing in opposition to one another. And when we talk about the conflict between work and parenting roles or work and family roles in our modern society, I think we, we label it a conflict and we label it in our Western view as something that's negative and needs to be eradicated. And Taoism has a really different view of conflict. So I was wondering if you guys could sort of introduce the, that different way of thinking to our listeners. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll get started here. I'll take a crack at that and take a swing at the bat, so to speak. You know, uh, one of the central tenets of uh, Taoism, as we all know, is something called yin and yang, which is a set of complementary forces. And everybody has seen, you know, the circle and it's half white and half black. And there's a wavy line in between. Yeah, it's sort of like two fishes hugging or yeah, something. Yeah, <laughs> the, the twin fishes, so to speak. And 
there's a, and within the dark side, there's always a spot of the light. And within the light side, there's always a spot of the dark. So these forces are said to kind of interpenetrate each other. They, many people think of them as being in opposition or opposites, but the Chinese really do not. They really see these as complementary forces that encompass all that we are as human beings and all that the universe is as an in, a complete system. And so it, it's really a systemic approach to seeing how forces which have to coexist because just because we're all in the same universe together, if, if we don't coexist, then there's conflict. But if we realize that everything that is, is here for a reason, and, it, and, and if we can try to look for the complementary aspects of those reasons, then that lessens the conflictual aspect of two systems or more being in close proximity to each other. And I think that people, um, I, I, really, I truly believe that each individual is kind of born or incarnated into this existence uh, for a reason. And, and there's never been any two people exactly alike on earth. <laughs> and so, you know, that uniqueness, I think, allows each person to make a contribution. Now, when you have a family and, and at the same time, you have this kind of intrinsic part of yourself that is looking for expression. Part of that expression, of course, might be raising a family, uh, contributing to the you know, future of humankind by raising a being, a little, a little kid, who's going to be able to integrate and interact with the rest of the world, hopefully in a really creative and smart and caring way. And at the same time, one might be a musician or an artist or a steel worker or, you know, a teacher or what, or doctor or nurse, you know, whatever one does. And so somehow all of these different aspects of who we are allow us to, one, express the different dimensions of who we are, but yet hopefully we can integrate them in such a way that we don't feel that we're having to sacrifice one for the other. I, I, if we can have each one kind of feed and, and energize uh, us so that in our different roles, we can feel efficient and effective and um, satisfied that what we're doing is right and perfect at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the one of the things just to sort of dovetail is that yin and yang are defined in this way that sort of resembles, I think, work attributes and, and sort of familial attributes in this very uncanny way. So the character yin is defined as negative or passive or feminine, and it's associated with shadow and concealment and of being private or hidden from the public world. So kind of like our family roles, it's sort of softer, it's more private, it's more personal, and it's about connection. It's not about publicity or asserting ourselves. But yang is defined as positive, active, masculine, and it's associated with sun and with openness and belonging to the world. So that's kind of like the public face that we put on our professional sides. And I think just what you're saying is even when you look at that graphical representation of yin and yang, you see that it sort of creates this whole being that in all of us is some part that is really brought to life by connecting with the people that we love in a private way that is really just fulfilling for our hearts and souls. 
And part of ourselves is really uh, brought to a more vital place in this world by engaging publicly and giving, you know, in a public way that even involves recognition and reward. But that's a part, too, of what it is to sort of be fully alive as a human being. And so in these ways, even though these roles can really tug on each other or push against each other, they really allow us to be more whole in ourselves. And so that's, that is one of the ways that I think Taoism really gives some important insight into what it means to be, in, to be a working parent or to be somebody who has a real deep engagement in both the family side of things as well as in the professional side of things. Yeah, and I think to, to add to that, I think with, if we look at just the basic symbol of yin and yang, uh, it, it shows you that, um, each si that, that each side has elements of the other. So uh, it, you could be, so, you know, because we all, we all kind of progress and change through life. Uh, I found that having a family and having a child, I went from being kind of hyper yang energy, kind of out there, um, kind of in kind of really outgoing kind of fields, uh, you know, professionally and doing creative things. And that uh, when, you know, baby and family and everything come along, I had to really go and embrace uh, the other side, uh, the kind of yin. And I, there was a whole part of me that I didn't know was there, which was actually quite domestic um, because I ended, ended up becoming a freelancer and working from home in order to balance that. You know, my, my wife and I thought it would be great to have somebody at home to deal with um, these issues, you know, deal with having a kid and being able to be present for the kid and everything. So I went from being kind of a hyper yang energy to finding this whole other side of me that's like, you know, at 3.30, I'm going to the store and I'm going to go buy some stuff to cook tonight. And I'm going to cook dinner and I'm going to take the baby, you know, to the doctor's appointment and all these things. And it really helped me grow in this tremendous way. And I think that having studied the Tao and everything, it showed me that that part of me was latent and there. And, um, you know, kind of these ideas, they kind of, the, the great thing is they, they point you in, in directions of growth. Uh, and that was one way that I was able to do that. Uh, it was it's kind of, you know, through that yin and yang concept. Todd became Mr. Mom. <laughs> yes, yes. And also, when you look at that, it's also the kind of male-female dynamic. Yes. And, and on, on the, there's a thing in the, the Tao Te Ching when they say, when the way is lost, which for those people who don't know, the way is kind of um, being in touch with the Tao, being in touch with the kind of way the universe naturally works. And so when we're out of touch with that, um, different roles start popping in. They say fami familial piety happens right so if, if we're out of touch then we have to make rules you're a woman you have to behave this way within the family you're a man uh, you're the baby you have to do this now when we're in touch with the way it shows us look uh as a father i can cook dinner i know this sounds really basic you know but it, it's true as a father i can be nurturing and i can cook dinner um i can do all these things i can have this side of me and my wife can feel comfortable working later and coming home and we can all feel comfortable in that dynamic because it works for us because it's in, in the way says that uh, when you lose that, then you have to go to these familial harsh structures. And we've found success in kind of eschewing that for now. Um, so who knows? So that became a, that, that, that's been a really big point. And, and also I think that as a, as a man raised in this society, even though you want to be progressive and all this stuff, there is part of you, which does feel slightly threatened. Uh, in a way, and you have to overcome that. And then with, with that, there's growth, you know. Um, 
Yes. Yeah. And I think that that sort of speaks to sort of like another illustration of how this idea of conflict from a Western perspective is seen as negative, whereas within Taoism, it's really seen as an opportunity to grow and find new harmony and, and sort of re-identify what the natural order of things is so that you can work within it. So that those kind of tensions aren't necessarily seen as something that needs to be eradicated, but rather something to be curious about, to explore, and then to work within, that that is really what allows us to be most successful, most effective, and ultimately happier. And, and I think that, and we'll sort of touch on that in just a little bit, but I think it's, it's just a really, um, I think, perspective-shifting uh, concept to sort of see conflict in this way as it's not negative, it's actually just a balance of forces that um, when we embrace it and are curious about it and are open to it, allows us to flourish a lot more than when we fight against it. Yeah. Yes, often, it's, it's, the soft overcomes the hard. Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, one of the things that, you know, Taoism is considered a nature philo philosophical system. Or even, a, or even a nature religion, it's been called sometimes. And one of the things that uh, Taoists have always been kind of enamored with is water. Because, you know, water seeks its own level, and it can conform to any type of shape or container that it's in. And when you look at a river flowing, you see, what, a wave. And the wave goes up, and the wave comes back down. And the fact that the wave goes up and down actually creates movement. And our life is like that. Whose life does not have ups and downs? And if we try to stick at the up and, ne and never want let it come back down, uh, that leads to a type of paralysis and, in fact, probably a more manic <laughs> type of presentation. And on the other hand, if things go down, and we become, you know, kind of stuck and static and maybe depressed, that isn't the most optimal result either. So, you know, in, in that yin and yang symbol, that wavy kind of S-shaped line in the middle, the Chinese call it the ridge pole of the universe. <laughs> and it's on that, that cusp where the Taoist finds themselves, you know, able to move this way or that as appropriate, much like nature does. And that creates movement rather than something that's static and stagnant. And Chinese medicine utilizes that very same analogy because if uh, in Chinese medicine, when blood or energy, qi or bodily fluids become stagnant, that's when we become impaired and the disease process begins because our, then our immune system is so stressed, it can't, the body is not able to heal itself. Yeah. So, and when, one of the ways that I've started applying this in, in a book project that I'm working on, which really talks a lot about how Taoism applies to the relationship between work and family, is that this pressing that exists between work and family. So for example, I say I have a project that's due, but I also have kids that need to be picked up at the end of the day. And it's, it can be a frustration that I don't have enough time to finish the work that I need to do, right? And, and working parents often feel that pressure. Oh, I have so much to do, but I, I can't just leave my child at childcare. They need to be picked up. So you interrupt yourself. And on the one hand, it can be seen as a negative. Oh, why, do, why doesn't my provider offer extended care? Why isn't my partner stepping in? Why isn't my workplace more flexible or, or my client more flexible? And yet there's this 
magical gift that comes with that pressing, which is, and, and there's a real science to this, where when we're forced to take a break from our work, it actually allows the parts of our brain that can wear out from too much concentrated attention to regenerate, to act more creatively. And then it allows us to return to our work after we take a, a, a break that may not have been a desired break, but may have been a required break, but it can allow us to return to our work the next day with more energy, with more creativity, and over time, it allows us to sustain our efforts in a more enduring way and not to burn out. And the same thing goes for parenting. There's these really interesting ways that being forced to take a step away from parenting is actually um, something that makes us better parents, and it's actually better for our kids. And so I think in that way, that sort of balance between the yin and the yang and, and sort of the two roles, as much as we may sort of say, oh, it shouldn't be this way, if we sort of take a step back and say, you know, what are the gifts that come from that balance? What are the gifts that come from those two roles pressing on each other? We actually see that there really is a lot of benefit to it. You, you know, the, the, the surprising thing before I had kids um, that I never would have thought happened is actually I find that um, by kind of balancing parenting with my own life, um, you know, my own creative projects, whether I'm working on the Taoist podcast or I, I play music with guys or just my social life, um, I, I found that be, like one kind of strengthens the other in a way that when if if I know that I'm going to be able to get out and do my thing at night or the next day and I don't feel confined to parenting all the time, I find myself to be a much more present parent, right? And then on the back end, because I've spent my time parenting and having to really focus and kind of set myself aside, at the times when I have that time to go work on my creative projects or, you know, go have a beer with the guys, um, I enjoy it 10 times more. And, and I think it's because my wife and I created a balance where it's like, we both like say to each other, no, you need to go do your thing. Like, you know, I'll sit with the kid tonight. I'll do the bath. You go, you go see your friends. You go, you go, you go work out. You go to the gym. And we're like adamant that the other person gets their time because, because selfish reasons, we want our time. But then also we know the benefit that it has to the whole family of like, look, I'll watch the kid alone. And my, some of my wife's friends are like, wow, you guys, a lot of times, and you guys don't see each other. I'm like, no, it's great that way because <laughs> we're getting our own time, and uh, we, you know, we just have a calendar on the wall. Hey, I claim Wednesday. I'm working on. Yeah, I got Tuesday. I'm gonna you know go watch the game or something. So, but that thing, knowing that, I appreciate both times even stronger. So, in a weird way, I became happier having a kid because I appreciate so much more my time to myself. And that's a very Taoist thing, by the way. It's um, that you know. Uh, one, one thing is strengthening the other. Uh, but yeah, and I, that's been a really positive thing. But again, it's, it's finding that balance. By the way, that's called a, uh, having a really good uh, spouse. <laughs> yes, yes. You know, cu couples that, that do not really give each other you know, space, you know, for each you know, to really pursue their passion, you know, their creativity, you know, again, what they were kind of incarnated maybe to really be doing in, on, on this planet. Uh, couples that try to restrict that tend to be very unhappy uh, couples. And those are, those are couples that are, you talk about conflict. <laughs> those, those are couples that create, because they're, they're trying to be so narrow and, and roll, perhaps roll bound that they prevent their partner from feeling the freedom to be themselves. 
And when we aren't free to be ourselves, then what are we? Who are we? What do we become? We become a stranger even to ourselves. And then we aren't able to give the best parts of ourselves to the relationship and to our children. And in fact, probably become distorted into something that no one can even recognize after a while. You know, who is that person? You know, and and I know that working with people at the end of their lives, you know, people who are in, in terminal conditions, they almost never regret what they did. They regret what they didn't do, what they left behind. And um, you don't want to go out that way. <laughs> no regrets. <laughs> you know, you want you want to do what nurtures you, what feeds your soul. You know, Taoists again looking at nature. They always look at the seasons of the year, and a year begins with the spring, and you've got kind of a birth of energy, and then there's a, a summer, you might say, you know, where you know things kind of heat up, <laughs> and uh, eventually, of course, move into the fall, where it's at it, things are at their fullest expression, and then there's always a winter where things kind of settle back down, but out of that settling down comes this, a new spring is birth. And so all of our lives, and even our, our, even our daily lives, kind of, again, go through this ebb and flow. And if we're open to that, and don't try to stop anything, no, oh, I'm up and I have to just stay up, or oh, I'm here and I can, no, no, the, a, a Taoist is curious, and, and is curious about themselves and about other people and about the world. And because we're curious, we try to know, we try to experience things directly. And when you are curious and you seek out experiences, then you can relate to them with compassion. And when you can relate to the to the universe with compassion, by accepting everything as part of the whole, um, that's where you have uh, peace and harmony and balance. Yeah, I actually remember one episode. This was a while back. I don't remember at all, sort of what the main topic was. But I remember Todd, you talking about your wife and sort of. Uh, her Tao and accepting her way in, oh. I can't remember, it was some way that she tended to respond to you. And it kind of reminds me, so I do a lot oh. of couples therapy. And mm-hmm. I, sort of as, as it applies to like the work family conflict, it's interesting because I think that it sounds like you, Todd, have a pretty nice situation in terms of the way that you and your wife are able to take on certain tasks and give the other person freedom to pursue what they want. But I also Definitely. think that there are certain like attributes that exist within partners that are not necessarily a partner not being giving, but like there might be a partner who's very introverted. And so at the end of the day, they just kind of want to um, have a little bit of alone time. And that may be difficult for the other partner, or there may be uh, one partner in a couple or, or sometimes both partners in a couple that have a lot of demands, work demands. And so there's not a lot of flexibility to work with. And so I think even in those kind of systems, just as Dr. Carl Totten was mentioning, it's sort of like having curiosity about the individuals and the attributes and and what the system allows for and what it doesn't allow for and what that allowance or not allowance kind of, you know, creates in terms of possibilities and then working within that. And I think having that compassion that Dr. Totten was talking about as you approach that curiosity of, of the individuals and the circumstances allows you to more effectively work within it. Because I think when you sort of approach, oh, well, my partner's not giving me or my workplace isn't providing and you sort of come at it with this frustration or resentment or, or irritation, it actually interferes. I mean, in some ways we want to 
not just be settled with whatever is. We want to keep working towards progress and dismantling antiquated social infrastructures that are, you know, not just in terms of like gender expectations. But I also think that having a little bit of like equanimity, like it, you know, it is what it is and we need to work within it. And the more we approach it with that friendly curiosity and acceptance, the more effective we are in working with it. You know, again, whether it's our partner or, or anything else. I, th I think it goes to the first chapter in the Tao Te Ching, uh, which is like um, when, when, when we gaze upon the mystery uh, with, with some type of expectation, uh, we're only going to see the manifestations of it. But if we look, if we gaze upon the world, completely seeing things as they are without any kind of bias, um, then we end up seeing the mystery behind them. So um, I, I, I think that, that when, when, we go, when we go into things with that kind of attitude, we can end up seeing the truth in the situation and, um, and, and, and we can see all the flaws internally uh, and, then, and then get through it. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Absolutely. You know, uh, w one of the projects I'm working on right now uh, for all of you parents out there, <laughs> it's called Everything You Should Have Learned in Kindergarten But Didn't. <laughs> uh, P.S. It's, yeah, it's never so too much. late. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> I'm just thinking if we were raised kind of knowing a lot of these laws and understanding, you know, that, uh, you know, how, how people, you know, can connect and flow together and, and, and just, just all of the, just the, you know, I think that, you know, in this society, we seem to be raised a lot by the media, basically. <laughs> you know, we're bombarded by media 24-7. And then we have social media now, even more. So even on your off time, you know, you're still hooked and connected to media. We get bombarded and, by our friends. I know, I know. And, and so, but, but flowing through media are all sorts of assumptions and expectations and limitations and demands some spoken, some unspoken. And in the midst of all of that, each one of us has our own Tao, individual and collective Tao, that we're unfolding. And that is something that I'd like to, in my, my, my book, really support. You know, really teaching some of these natural laws that are, are, have always been a part of reality, but is often very elusive because other agencies, <laughs> sometimes literally, with other agendas are impinging on that all the time. Yeah, I mean, I think that what's so prominent in our media, but just in our modern expectations, is that things shouldn't be so hard, that our technology and all the progress that we've had should make things like parenting much easier, things like working much easier, and certainly the balance between them much easier. And I think that there are just realities. I think there are challenges in parenting that no matter what kind of technologies we have available to us will exist, and it's good that they exist. Those challenges are a part of what allows parenting to do what parenting must do, which is to, you know, raise and then release <laughs> these small right. creatures that we bring into the world. And the same thing goes for work. You know, the challenges are a part of what make it productive and and rewarding and and sort of you know what it is and there's a doubt to everything and, and we each have a doubt and I think once we sort of drop our expectations about what we wish it could be you know which is all easy all the time and recognize the value of 
it not being that way, it actually, it's sort of paradoxical. It just makes it that much easier. I think dropping those expectations uh, for it to be easier actually makes it easier. It's, it's a very <laughs> sort of counterintuitive thing. Yes. And every child, as you know, has their own unique essence, their own unique personality. You know, if you have six kids, all six are different, right? <laughs> you know, I mean, they come with their own temperament, right? Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, some are more naturally expressive and young, and some are a little bit more quiet and, and more introverted into themselves. I and mean, some are very changeable. Some are very curious, you know. Some are constantly trying to deconstruct everything they touch, right? Pull it apart and see how it works, right? And so... Right. You know, and so that is, your child becomes your teacher, right? They're teaching you adaptability Absolutely. and flexibility all day long. Yeah. And so there, you might say uh, every child is like your own little Lao Tzu, right? Mm. <laughs> yeah, teaching you the way. <laughs> I love <day>. that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I always, I was, I, I realized after having a kid, it's a if if you want to quickly know all of your flaws, have a child <laughs> because it's like a mirror. You know, it's like there are certain maybe things that you could kind of skirt by in life and not have to really address. You have a kid and then you better address it or else everybody's life is gonna be yes. miserable. Yes. I, I, I likened it to the TV show Bar Rescue, where <laughs> they, they have a bar and then they go, okay, let's to see how dysfunctional these people work together. Let's invite a hundred people in tonight and we'll see all the flaws and then we can fix them. That's what I see having a child is like. Uh, and, and it's forced me to grow in many ways and get better and then also, um, you know, ho hopefully for the better. I think so. At least, at least, the, you know, I've, I've grown and learned new things. You're going to have to write a book on that, uh, Todd. Oh. <laughs> you know, that, the Tao of child rearing. <laughs> that's, that's right. That's right. I you know. This, I know there's, there should be. It's, uh, it's, 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 it's yeah, I, I think the thing is, it's, I, I think after, uh, obviously doing this show and studying the Tao for so long, you get to a point where you don't, you don't realize how profound of an effect it has on you, but you kind of see it in little things when you're parenting, when you kind of just let a kid be and explore and do his thing. Um, and then sometimes when you fight the, the urge to punish, because that's part of our control, right? And the, the Tao is all about like, we're not, you, you want to try to put, the least amount of external pressure on the world and try to control as possible in order to have the best results. And that's kind of the, the way that I think the Tao flies in the face of, and is an antidote to Western thinking that sometimes you have to just let the kids have a natural consequence to his behavior. You know what I'm saying? Like, okay, you did that. Now you fell. I don't need to give you a timeout. You've got a skin knee. Now, you know, like, <laughs> you know, like there's so many lessons in life that are just natural and if we kind of, whether whether in your relationship with your wife and, or husband, like, I think there's this part of us that we need to feel like we need to punish each other. Like, oh, you got a parking ticket. Now I need to get you a lecture on why. No, I got a parking ticket. We got to pay. Like, it has this natural consequence. I don't need my wife to yell at me about it. Or I don't need to yell at my wife. About it. She made a mistake. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. And it's the same with my kid. You, you skinned your knee. There you go. Now you're walking around with a bum knee. Be a little more careful. Um, and I think yeah. that... That's definitely part of the the the, the Taoist the Taoism yeah. Part, yeah part that I add, add to my parenting definitely yeah well and I think that 
that sort of harkens back to that concept that you were talking about earlier of Wu Wei, which is sort of that, this idea of effortless action. And what's interesting is there's a really solid science behind that, both in the parenting literature and in the work literature. That So when it comes to parenting, there's this modern ethos of intensive parenting that we should do more, we should enrich our kids, we should constantly be you know, teaching them and exposing them to things and providing them with discipline. And actually, there's a very solid base of evidence that suggests that doing a lot for our kids is counterproductive and actually giving them more freedom, giving them independence, giving them opportunities to fail and encounter those natural consequences, whether it's the skin knee or forgetting their lunch and being hungry that day or getting cold when they don't <laughs> want to wear their jacket outside, not in LA, but here in Boston, <laughs> yeah. that those things are actually better for the kid than us acting on their behalf and letting, and, and yet, there's this cultural pressure to always do more for our kids that is really counterproductive. The same thing goes with work. We have this idea that we should be ever available to our, our clients or our bosses and that we should, const, you know, it's sort of like the Malcolm Gladwell 10,000 hour rule. It's not his study, but he talks about it in his book Outliers. Mm -hmm. And actually that is counterproductive because we sap our energy and our creativity and we burn out. And that is much, far more destructive than saying at the end of the day, I need to turn off my technology, I'm not going to be available until I come into work tomorrow. And so in that way, I think sometimes in some important aspect, the way that parenting almost forces us to step away from our work roles and the way that work forces us to step away from our parenting roles can actually give us more freedom to do that, where the cultural pressures sometimes make it really hard to take those breaks, to do less. And, and that is really what Taoism suggests is like, do a little mm -hmm. less. It's good for you. Yes. My teacher always says that. Do less. Do yeah. less. Because yeah. here in the West, we're always trying to do more, 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 more. And even in the book, you know, the book of the Tao, here it is, <laughs> the Tao Te Ching, <laughs> the uh, Lao Tzu in there actually says, there it is again. Lao We've Tzu, got a couple copies on. on there we go. <laughs> one of the things that Lao Tzu says, he's really giving advice to leaders, leaders of nations. And he says that the ideal leader rules so efficiently that the populace hardly even knows he or he or she is there <laughs> you know they they take care of business everything works everything kind of runs on time everybody has their needs met and nobody's going hungry people aren't fighting because they're satisfied and they're able to meet make and express their their, their own self their own way their own Tao, and the leader doesn't have to be out there uh blowing their own horn every day and saying, look what I'm doing for you. They, they hardly even know the leader exists. The, the leader becomes almost invisible. He says that's the ideal leader, the one where you don't even know, realize that they're there. Yeah. How different from our current reality. You know, I, I think the, uh, I think the thing that struck me most when I first kind of came across the ideas of Taoism and I kind of, I, I kind of use this term for, for people who are just listening, not really familiar with it. Uh, I found it so completely freeing that the Tao um, and the ideas in Taoism, when I first like, read them in the Tao of Pooh by Benjamin Hoff, was it like this book, it was like the antidote to Western civilization. 
and it's not saying Western civilization is bad or terrible, but there's all these kind of precepts we have just naturally growing up in like this, you know, matrix uh, that we don't even question. And this book sat in the Tao Te Ching does the same things. It shoots holes and all these things like saying, hey, the moment uh, we're born, we're told, hey, man, there's this great reward out there. And the moment we get that that brass ring, we're going to be great. Whether, you know, you're, first you're going to graduate uh, elementary school and then you're going to go to high school and then you're going to get into a college and then you're going to get a job. And now you're, you're spinning that hamster wheel in the rat race. And eventually you're going to get that raise and be happy. Or you're going to get that partner and be happy. You're going to get that house and be happy. Oh, and then you're going to retire and that's when you're really going to be happy. And then yeah, you die of a heart attack, right? <laughs> and, it's, and it's that pro being propelled by that anxiety of future thinking that, you know, Lao Tzu says that those who, um, those, those who live in the future are, you know, anxious. And those who live in the past are depressed, but it's like, no, that great reward doesn't exist. You have to enjoy the present moment. And that was, that was a huge thing to learn at 20 at a time when it was like, uh, you, you need to succeed in this, succeed in that. And that's, that's when you're going to be happy or whatever. And I had parents that, did nothing but talk about the day they retire from the age of 35 and probably missed out on all this joy in life because they were focused on, Oh, eventually I won't have to work or whatever. It's like, well, maybe get a different job, you know, but you know, it's all these things. This is going to make me happy. That's going to make me happy. No, it's like all you have is right now. And as Dr. Carl always says, life is an inside job once, you know, and it's a completely different way of thinking when you just look out, you know, the materialism out there and everything. I mean, that I found that Taoism kind of undermines all this basic stuff that we were thinking, like, you know, you have to, you have to try to control things. It's like, no, actually not trying to control things is totally fine. Once you're confident in the way this, this Tao works, you can let go of all this kind of stuff. And you can let go of trying to project yourself to others as being a certain type of person. You can let go of trying to have to be something or some kind of cultural identity. I'm this, I'm that, I'm of this sex, I'm of this um, social economic class, I'm of this political ideology. I'm, all these kind of things we try to lump on ourselves to give us artificial personalities or whatever, that there's something deeper going on and we can get in touch with that. And life is much more rewarding when we shed all this kind of stuff we've been burdened with. Yeah, absolutely. That's I had actually written down this quote from the Tao Pu that I, I think embodies exactly what you're talking about. And I think you're actually referring to, but it's, um, he writes, Benjamin Hoff writes, it's really the process that's important. Enjoyment of the process is the secret that erases the myths of the great reward and saving time. So mm -hmm. I think that is, it really is just so, it, it's such a light bulb when you can kind of wrap your head around that idea that you don't have to do anything. You don't have to be anything. You just have to be in the moment and find the joy of the moment. And sometimes the joy of the moment is sort of appreciating that it's hard and that it's challenging, but that there's growth and learning that comes along with it. And that it's not necessarily comfortable, but that there's gifts that, that accompany it. So, mm -hmm. you know, I think it, it really is just a shift of perspective that is so freeing. Yeah, and it, and it helps you embrace uh, calamity too because if if everything was always going good then we set a new baseline of where where good is right you know like if if you got a million dollars you know what i'm saying like it's like it's like the money thing right like more money more money more money you're never satisfied once you have a million you want five million and the same thing is with with almost joy in life 
um, you get to a certain level of just comfort, not necessarily material, but just comfort in life. And something very small that's unimportant will totally throw you off your game. But you could be somebody who, you know, like uh, is, is, is living a much more difficult life. And that kind of thing isn't going to throw you at all. Right. You know, it, it doesn't matter. So it's like we get locked into these kind of baselines. And I think Taoism helped me embrace when something bad happens. I'm like, cool, something bad happened. So now I'm going to appreciate the good more. You know, these things balance out like, oh, I didn't get that job. I remember one time there was a job I really wanted. And I didn't get it. And because of Taoism and, and learning about that, I was like, cool, I failed. Now I have room to embrace something good happening. Or, you know, Todd, life isn't just always on the on the upswing, you know. So, and it, yeah, and I think it's a much different perspective than this constant gain loss thing game we're playing with ourselves and everything at that point of course becomes a learning experience right? you know it isn't that this was so good or that was so bad as long as we learned then it, it was beneficial no, no matter what its outward uh, configuration we learned something it contributed to our growth you know again remember those, those ups and downs right the wave kept moving and as long as you're moving you're okay <laughs> yeah. you know you know, the, that's another part of uh, Taoism is that when things are alive, you know, they're, they're moving. When things become stagnant and stop, that now it's heading towards decay and death. Yeah. Yeah. And there's actually, I mean, I think there's an interesting science behind that, too, that the more we move, the more facile we get in moving. And so even though it can feel difficult at points, that that learning actually helps us to tolerate and to actually, you know, build skill and, and do it better, which feels great. And that's a part of what contributes to our happiness. And that, that I think is a part of why learning and growing does even if it's uncomfortable in a given moment, create to a deeper and more enduring happiness. And what a great lesson to teach your children. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Kids definitely need to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. So one of the things that I wanted to um, ask you guys um, is about this sort of pausing in the busyness of life, because I think that that is such a challenge. Um, so, you know, there's so much to do if you work or if, you're or if you parent or if you do both. And I'm curious from your perspective, what does Taoism have to offer in, in terms of like practical approaches to dealing with the madness of busy modern life? Well, and of course that's where meditation comes into play. And meditation, by the way, it doesn't mean that you have to go up on a hill, a mountaintop, and sit in a temple or something. Although that's sometimes very nice. Right next door to my school here, I actually have a Taoist temple. That's mm -hmm. where we record the show. What's this Tao all about? And it's really nice and very spiritual in there. But you don't have to be there. You know, the our body is our temple, really. But we have to be able to slow down. If the mind is racing and the body is racing, and we've triggered that distress response, you know, that fight, flight, or freeze response. As you know, there's things going on in our neurochemistry that don't allow us to really be fully healthy and fully aware even. You know, our limbic system gets triggered and we're in the emotional brain, which means that the higher centers, the more creative centers, the problem-solving centers are actually cut off. Uh, and we, we're not our, at our best. So we need that downtime, you know, again, that yin and yang. We need to go down, relax, 
be quiet because that allows us, as you mentioned earlier, to renew and refresh, which then gives us the energy to move forward and express ourselves in more creative ways. So that giving ourselves space to just kind of slow down and really be in the moment and rest is very important. Yeah, we, we I think it's like episode seven or whatever on our show. I think we do two episodes earlier on where we talk about meditation and meditation practices. And um, I, you know, and, and, and the great thing is me meditate for people who don't meditate. Medi meditation has so many um, benefits that you didn't know were going to come. Right. It's like you do this thing and then you get the, it's like Amazon. You get this gift in the mail later. Right. Like, oh, I ordered that. Cool. I didn't know I was ordering it. Oh, now it sounds there. appealing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Hey, we're selling this. We're selling this. It's become my, my new book. Uh, Meditations like Amazon. Uh, but, and, and I found that it, it helps with work-life balance in that uh, meditation. And again, as, as Dr. Carl said, you, you don't need to be, you know, on a mountaintop to do it. As they say, Alan Watts said, the Zen, you know, the only Zen on a mountaintop is the Zen you bring with you, right? Um, it's, mountaintops the same as sitting on a subway. Uh, but if you, I, I find that if you just block out, like everybody, the thing is everybody has time to do stuff. It's just when you say I don't have time, you say I don't want to do it, right? Um, so I found that, speaking of a mountaintop, I do bathroom floor meditation where I, I get out of the shower and then I put my timer on my iPhone. It could be five minutes, could be eight minutes. And I sit on the bathroom mat uh, and I meditate there because it's just, it's Wu Wei. It's just part of the implementing it in the approach to your day. And meditation techniques are very simple. And uh, you, you, can, you can find out on our show about how to do it. Or you can pay Dr. Carl and I $1,200 to come out to your house. <laughs> like the like the guys what's the tm guys um and then and and that what gives your you you build inside with meditation a natural pause it's crazy like the, the big thing is that i learned is you stop um reacting to life and you start responding to life there becomes a latency between that person just said something and it aggravates you you saw that on Twitter and it aggravates you. Or your child just did something that sends you into a tizzy. And, I, and the more you meditate, the more you build up that kind of latency, that buffer to life. And it, the, that buffer doesn't make you kind of not, doesn't take you off your game or make you like too facile to where you're not interesting or you can't achieve anything. But it does give you that buffer to better respond to things. And I found the crazy thing is that meditation built something in my brain where I can now like old man style, like sit and look out a window sometimes for like 10 minutes, like just having a cup of coffee, like not, not needing to look at TV or whatever and appreciate and be in the moment and appreciate just looking at the trees and, and everything. And dear Lord, if someone would have told me that 10 years ago, I could do that. I would, would have thought they were insane. So I think the meditation, you know, it's, it's an obvious thing. Oh, meditation is great. No, it really is great. It does build those things. We should yeah. all do Again, it more often. An another thing we should have learned in kindergarten. <laughs> yes. Now yes. they're starting to teach it in kindergartens. But, uh, they are. Only in certain 
lucky communities. But what I love, I, I love about um, your podcast and also just how you guys generally talk about meditation is that again, it becomes a lot more accessible if you sort of bring it into real life, you know, on a bathroom mat or, you know, even while you're hanging out with your kids, putting them to bed, just, you know, take that mindful pause and bring yourself into the moment. And I think on there was one episode, I can't, again, remember exactly when you aired it, where you talked about this book, 10% Happier, and Dan Harris, and in his more recent book, um, Meditation for Fidgety Skeptics, he does a great job of talking about how you can bring meditation into a busy, full life. And um, we, by the time this episode airs, we'll have aired it, but I actually had the opportunity to speak with Jeff Warren, who was one of the co-authors on the Meditation for Fidgety Skeptics book. And he does this great job of um, bringing in meditations that perfectly apply to the working parent life. Like he actually has a reality TV meditation where you just kind of sink into the couch right before you turn on the TV. You feel the couch, you know, supporting your back. You really luxuriate in the moment of just kind of letting go and being you know, in, in your body at the end of the day, you know, tired, but sort of enjoying the peace of pausing in that moment. So it doesn't have to be, you know, something that is so official. And I will speak from personal experience that I actually have a really hard time building in a sitting practice. And I, I barely do. I do it like, you know, once or twice a week for a few minutes, but I try to bring in that mindful pausing at various in my day where I'm doing something meaningful for me or sometimes even just frustrating for me. And I just try to sort of pause and observe sort of what's happening in my body, what's happening around me. Um, I try to enjoy the moments that are special, like with my kids or when I'm doing something professionally related that I find really, you know, rewarding. Um, and when I'm frustrated, I just kind of pause and, and observe sort of what happens in my body. And again, kind of like what Todd was saying, it gives me the opportunity to respond rather than react and to have that uh, opportunity to kind of be a little bit more intentional about how it is that I want to respond. Yeah, you know, One of the things that we've shared on, the, on the, our podcast, a very simple way to meditate is, you know, every, we could all do it right now, in fact. <laughs> yeah, give us an exercise. <laughs> every environment, every room has its own feel its own unique ambiance. And a very powerful way to meditate is to just stop for a second and notice, what does this room feel like right now? And don't, but don't label it. Don't say, oh, it feels like this or that. Just say it feels like this, whatever this is. And then the next skill is, is when you leave that room or that environment, notice the change as you go from one room or one environment to the other. Noticing the, the ambiance of where we are and then noticing the change in the next ambiance will sensitize you to levels you won't believe. You'll become, you'll, you'll develop the wisdom of a sage without even knowing how you did it. <laughs> that sounds powerful. <laughs> it's great. It's great. <laughs> And I'll, I found this guy on Google, too. It was crazy. Yeah. I just Googled. <laughs> and that, you know. That's like the best example of how powerful Taoism is. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's why they call it the way. <laughs> yeah. Thank you guys so much for joining me. This has been such a fun conversation, and I really encourage all of our listeners to check out What's This Tao All About? It is 
uh, a really enlightening, illuminating, and fun podcast. You'll learn a lot, and it will really shift your perspective on life in a very positive and joyful way. So um, thank you, Dr. Carl Taunton and Todd Perry, for joining us on Psychologists Off the Clock. Thank you for having us. Thank you for listening to Psychologists Off the Clock. You can find us on iTunes, Facebook, and Twitter. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and is not meant to be a substitute for mental health treatment. If you are having a mental health emergency, please dial 911. If you're looking for mental health treatment, please visit the resources on our webpage. Our website is www.offtheclockpsych.com. That's www.offtheclockpsych.com.